Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be my talk about Anthem got cancelled and I am not happy. I am angry. Uh, If you're listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, or any of the other platforms, you can always catch me live Monday through Friday doing this live show with a live audience at SNTRlive.com SNTRlive.com will bring you to the YouTube channel where we do these streams. We do do polls. We do Q&A. You want to be here for them. So this one is, is one that I'm passionate about, okay? people were really really hard on anthem and i kind of defended it in the beginning because i still believe people were too hard on elements of anthem i think they zeroed in on the wrong things but after about two weeks i realized there was no end game so i turned into a very vocal critic but not in a mean way i wanted the game to succeed i looked at the structure i looked at the systems and thought man this game has potential we really want to see these you know 18 things addressed there were a lot of things that needed to be addressed okay it was a rough game out of the gate however i am extremely angry that this game wasn't given a second chance in a true robust full way and it's super frustrating to see that the same things that beleaguered its launch and hurt its launch did the same thing whenever they were trying to do this rework we had people leaving we had lack of vision i told a story live on stream about when i was at ea play in 2019 i came back from ea play in e3 and i said they still haven't really cast a vision for where the game is going and what the game is going to turn into and i think that's one of the biggest detriments from the very very start of all of this so i am frustrated that what was i believe a good content loop and hardworking people ultimately didn't come to for come to fruition now you might not realize how long it's been okay anthem originally launched on February 22nd of 2019 to initial praise there was praise for the beta there was praise for the gameplay however within just a few days the game was receiving criticism from all fronts many claimed the story and the dialogue were incredibly weak for a Bioware game others pointed to the lack of substance beyond a few repeatable strongholds once the main bulk of the game was completed it was also a very very buggy game people couldn't even get through loading screens it would freeze it would lock up this game from the bottom to the top had something or many things that were going to frustrate you if you were trying to enjoy it. It only took a few weeks for many of us, those of us that pushed past those rough edges and we were still playing it, it only took a few weeks to realize that even the end game was a disaster of mismanaged expectations and very convoluted systems. I always believed there was a worthy game in Anthem, and that is why I'm incredibly disappointed that it finally got the axe. I thought this was going to be another No Man's Sky, another sort of rising from the ashes game, and it just isn't happening. So let's talk about what Anthem got right. Like why I think this relates to why I'm mad, but I also think this relates to why so many people in the early weeks of the game were furious with the game because it was fun all right first and foremost anthem got some of the most important things right about a video game the sense of movement the action the content loop it was honestly some of the most memorable moments that i've had many games try and ultimately fail to deliver something truly original a lot of people have looked at some of the new games there's even games on the horizon right now people look at the trailers they're like it looks like such and such game this felt original i couldn't go and play another game like this anywhere and i think that was a selling point of anthem from the very beginning to this day my own kiddos and my nephews they will ask if i have played the iron man game recently i get asked that question did you play the iron man game lately did you play that game they saw just a few minutes of the flight and the slamming down into the ground and it just stuck with them there was a really cute clip I put it on Twitter somewhere of my daughter just flying around and thinking that the game was cool because there was something memorable about it. It was it was it was almost captivating. If you look at the initial picture in this video, just the scope of the landscape and the fact that you could fly to all those areas, it really did feel cool. Now obviously, you need something beyond that, but it did It stuck with people. It was memorable. This is one of the reasons why so many gamers were livid at the lack of an endgame. Why? They were enjoying the game. They played the beta. They played through the intro and the campaign. They're like, this is a fun game. It's good. And there's nothing here. Okay? 
Now, before I hit the drop rate problems and the inscription conflicts, those were the perks on the the gear that were all messed up, and before I hit the complete and utter lack of endgame vision, I was finding myself getting lost in just running from one public event to another, or getting a fun build with a javelin and running through a stronghold faster. It really was something there. There was a hook that was starting to grab me, especially once you really captured the vision of the combo system. It had a solid hook with nothing Nothing on the other side and I think what Anthem got right actually served to expedite its downfall because people were more critical I think and more irritated because there was something good there when you play a game that's just bad from the bottom to the top you don't get really passionate about that game you don't get invested so I do think this is one of the reasons why the the frustration levels were so so high in those early weeks now let's talk about so much promise This adds fuel to the fire, I think, because it wasn't just sort of fun and enjoyable, and then that was kind of the end of it, like, well, what a piece of garbage. The biggest reason that I am angry, as well as pretty much anybody that was following and supporting the game up until the last couple of weeks, uh, the the reason I'm angry about Anthem 2.0 or Anthem Next getting canceled is because building on their solid content loop showed a massive amount of promise. They were reworking systems and updating the UI in a way that just screamed No Man's Sky comeback. I thought, Here it is. They're going to do it. We read the blog post like a month ago. It looked very, very promising. It looked like a brand new game, at least internally from the UI standpoint. They were making, from what I could tell, very good strides at structural, systemic, like system-wide changes, which was going to be important if the game was going to get out of this sort of elusive, no-identity box that it found itself in. A community of faithful fans took to Twitter and Reddit to continually show their support of the game all the way, okay? Long term, they were with it. They were going to hang in there. They were in the corner of Anthem. And honestly, that was the most surprising result out of all of this. So few games can garner a loyal audience after such a rocky launch, but many stayed in the corner of Anthem and cheered it on despite all of its problems and shortcomings. Lastly, A solid development company poured a staggering amount of hours trying to get this ship on the right course. Reading what really went on in the background just adds insult to injury, as so much can be left at the feet of just a few people. There's just a few people to blame here in the grand scheme. There was just terrible leadership from the beginning, zero vision casting, and you can probably count on one hand the people that deserve blame. All the pre-production mistakes, the lack of vision, not really knowing where the game was going to go, and they repeated those same problems in 2019 when they were trying to get things back on course. As more and more people left the project, it became very apparent they were not going to get this game back on course. So many talented devs wasted not just hours, but years, years of their lives on this game and that is incredibly disappointing lastly let's talk about it being a death sentence okay this I think is another concern that I have beyond just Anthem a real and lingering concern that I now have is will anyone attempt a game like this in the near future is the hope of a big strange world with mech suits and satisfying combat is that a complete pipe dream now as it would be decried as a poor Anthem substitute Will we romanticize how good Anthem was and sentence any similar project to an untimely death? Like, you're just copying Anthem. This is just a poor man's Anthem. We're going to look back almost with rose-colored glasses and imagine that Anthem was far better than it ever was. It was rough, very rough around the edges. It was barely launched in many respects because many people couldn't even play the game the opening week. The sheer fact that Bioware managed to make a third-person game with mech suits feel immersive and fluid is a feat in and of itself. It felt good. That's actually a challenge. People talk about that all the time with third-person games. Like, I just can't get into it. I don't get attached to my character. One would hope that someone would maybe buy the rights and the property from EA Bioware and pick this project up where it left off, but unfortunately it's probably become a video game pariah at this point. It feels cursed. It feels destined to fail. No one's going to want to touch not only Anthem, no one's going to want to touch this genre for a very, very long time. A looter shooter mech suit open world game is likely to not ever be seen in the near future because everyone's going to be worried about the the shadow of anthem cursing its launch and cursing its success 
One also has to consider, what does this mean for the future for live service games, especially live service looter shooter games? Can anything survive without a truly massive and deep end game? This isn't Fortnite, this isn't Apex, where they can update the map and throw new weapons and seasons and cosmetic items in. This is a game that needs depth, it needs breadth, it needs longevity. Are dedicated servers and subscription fees a must for games that offer and promise so much potential gameplay? Time will tell. That's essentially the topic for tomorrow. Are these types of live service looter shooter games, are they impossible? Are they dying? We'll talk about it tomorrow. We're going to transition into Q&A. So if you're here in the audience and you're a paying member, you can take part in that. So don't go anywhere. If you're listening to this elsewhere, you can always catch us at sntrlive.com. And as always, please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be my Q&A session that I did after my talk about Anthem being canceled and me being pretty ticked off about that. If you're listening to this anywhere else, you can catch me live Monday through Friday at SNTRlive.com. That'll bring you right to the YouTube channel where we do these live streams SNTRlive.com Thank you so much for the 5 spot overkill. Lono, always playing my favorite game, the game of life. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um so let's take the first question here from table jfk do you think the death of anthem is the start of a trend that's going to eventually spell the death of live service games as a concept altogether in my opinion anthem had potential at first but it didn't seem sustainable in the long run this is related to my topic for tomorrow is our live service games dying now i'm going to actually have to qualify that in the video this is why i'm kind of glad i I, I, I let people know what the topic was because some people were saying, listen, there are live service games right now that are very successful. Fortnite, Apex, and the like. They're live service, right? They're always updating. They're always online. They're always available. Uh, there's a perpetualness to them. They move forward. You know, there, there's things happening. Um, but at the same, at the, on the same token, there are only so many of those games right now that are successful. Okay, there's not a lot of room in the market for other games like Fortnite and Apex, and uh, I would I would even say Call of Duty Warzone's in there. Okay, Call of Duty Warzone's in there. There's only so much room in the landscape for games like that. So there's not going to be a lot. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of other BRs that step out into into that into that industry into that hemisphere or genre and be successful. So then if you leave those out of the picture and you look at live service loot-based games, like an RPG or a looter shooter or a loot-based game, I actually think it's getting harder and harder to launch a live service loot-based game. And Outriders could mark a shift and a change in where things are headed. And I think Anthem is a part of the equation here. I do. Anthem showed that a really, really good content loop, or, or like a good... Um, just a good sense of combat or like a cool looking world or cool looking javelins all their marketing was like so on point right it all looked amazing that's not enough if if you're going to market a live service loot based game you need a very deep end game because you are marketing to a particular type of player you're marketing to a particular type of player the, the, and it's not just like oh but it's not just destiny players it isn't it isn't people like these sorts of games they come from all sorts of backgrounds there are people that like games like Diablo there are people that like games like Borderlands and you know Path of Exile and others and they come to games that offer a loot based live service experience and they say okay I'm going to play your game a large amount of hours for the first couple of weeks and then that'll be the true test of whether or not this game is going to survive and be you know, enjoyed. And the fact of the matter is, I don't think without a subscription fee, games can pull it off anymore. I really, really don't. I, I, ge- I genuinely do not think it's possible without a subscription fee. That's what tomorrow's talk is based off of. You, know, you can point to Destiny, but that how many other games are, are, are attempting it and really struggling and are ultimately failing? How many other anthems out there have there been how many anthems have never even gotten off the ground because in their production phases they were looking at everything that happened with anthem or division one and two or destiny one and two and they're like this isn't this is not the kind of game that we want to make i wouldn't be surprised if there are games that were canceled there are games that were canceled and and that in it was largely related to these others you got a five spot i thank them for it there were probably plenty that just got snapped like in, out of existence. Not, we're not going to do it. 
and to a certain extent like what destiny's pulling off is like what Weezy's saying it's anomalous man it's not the norm most games are not going to be able to pull that off they're just not they're not going to be able to chump something out there every couple of months for 10 bucks and keep people playing and keep people going they're just not going it's just not going to happen all you have to do is look at what happened with division one and two that's all you do it's like they barely they barely got out. Their DLCs didn't do well. Their seasons didn't do well. They've had to completely reevaluate the entire structure of those games. Canceled or respun into a different type of game. Right. There's a game that pulls it off and it's like right down the middle and it's Elder Scrolls Online. Okay? They do a subscription fee in the Crown Store and the mounts and the and the and the really cool awesome looking stuff. That's totally optional. It's a subscription fee, though, but it has nothing to do with the content. It's all about the crowns, and it's all about the mounts and the and the vanity items. So that helps sort of, you know, subsidize and pay for the dedicated servers and the maintenance and the updates and the quality of life. Now, as I understand it with ESO, when they launch a DLC, you got to pay for that DLC, right? You can't just, like, jump in free to play. Right, you can play without the crown sub. The, the crown sub, the subscription fee, has nothing to do with like playing the game or having access to the game. It's a very, very generous offer. If the, the minute you look at that store, you pay for the yearly chapter. Right, so the yearly chapter, those expansions, you pay for. So there was one called like Elsewhere. There was Morrowind, and then there's the one that like just launched or whatever. So that's like a hybrid. That's a hybrid where you can just buy the expansion and play. Oops, I scrolled off the screen. Sorry. You can buy the expansion and just play. Or if you want to get that regular injection, then you can. Yeah, then you got Final Fantasy. Outside of that, I, I think just if you zoom all the way out on the on the on the the genre. If you zoom all the way out on the genre, if you zoom all the way out on the on the types of games that are launching like this. I just don't think you can be like, yeah, for 60 bucks, buy our game. We're going to continue to support it. We're going to have live service features. We're going to be adding content. And then in a couple months, we're going to have more stuff for you. Do you remember when Division 2, they get on a stage and they're like, this is what Division 2 is going to look like and play like. And then they outline their seasonal content. And they're like, it's totally for free. Do you remember the sauntering arrogance from so many people on Twitter that were like, do you see? Do you see, Bungie? This is how you do it. This is how you do it. Uh-huh. How'd that work out for you? How'd those, how'd those free seasons work out for you? Were they good? And they really out of the game? Were they really substantive? Or was the game still not at all ready to have a well-thought-out endgame at all at launch? Divisions 2's endgame at launch was just completely bumbled and all over the place. It was a it was a disaster. It was a, it was like, wow, you guys just got this wrong again. And again, it's I I think, and this is why Outriders has really spurred this thought in my mind, is I think you're gonna see more games like Outriders. They're gonna keep the scope of the project in a happy little spot. Okay, here's the scope. Complete product, ship it get your money back, make profit, analyze player behavior. Was it a commercial success? Was it a continued perpetual success? Is that grounds for expanding the game beyond this? That's what I think you're going to see companies do. I think Anthem is just the beginning of the idea that like, this is super, super risky because to, to, to promise this extended thing beyond launch with no subscription fee, and you're hoping that everything you build lines up to the way that people play. It's incredibly unlikely you're going to get it right. Division 1, Destiny 1, Division 2, Anthem, Destiny 2. They all tried it and they ultimately failed. Survival of a game or a franchise. Okay, Destiny 2 surviving. Destiny 2 surviving is not a testimony to like, oh, that's a great way to ship your product. Survival is not necessarily success. Okay, so those were not successful endeavors. They survived bad launches and bad expansions that followed up launches. 
Surviving doesn't mean that other companies are going to do that. You can't launch a live service, create a game, and evolve it if the base isn't there. Yeah, I think you meant to type isn't there. That's exactly right. That's one of the main things that likely killed Anthem is they made predictions on the ROI. How much money could we conceivably make based off of the interested community, the playing community right now? How much money are we going to make back on this? They likely were going to lose a ridiculous amount of money on Anthem 2.0, Anthem Next. It was one of the things that just baffled me when I heard in 2019 they were reinvesting in it. They had all this money that they invested in Anthem. They believed in the product. I was like, they must be printing money in the micro store. Like, where's the money coming from? And it was like, they see that it's a promising uh, it's a promising franchise, that they can make a lot of money from it. And I think before the fiscal year rolled over in 2021, they were like, nope, not doing it. I said what I meant. You can't launch a live service, create a game, involve it if the base is there. Oh, you're saying you can't do that? You can't do that. I'm misunderstanding, then, what your point is. You can't create a live service game. You have to evolve one from a solid base. Oh, I understand your point now. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. I tend to agree with that. If they didn't have their Halo rep, I feel it would have died, too. Yeah, if it would have been some random company trying to, trying to like, capture people, it wouldn't have sold the way that it initially sold. Right? The massive amount of profit they made on the initial launch of Destiny... A lot of that profit was was literally based on their name. <laughs> it's like it's Bungie, right? So the, the the commercial success of Destiny, at least on the outset, was 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 in large part, or at least in some part, due to their name. Why do you think Anthem got such just absolutely eviscerated for the campaign? Because it's Bioware. People are expecting Mass Effect and Dragon Age Inquisition, and they didn't get that. So they approached this as a Bioware game with presuppositions about Bioware. And they were like, this story sucks. Now, I was somebody who fell off the horse with both Mass Effect and Dragon Age Inquisition, because as much as I like them, I had never been a narrative dialogue-driven player. I had never been that type of player. I just skipped through the dialogue in Mass Effect to try to romance every every hottie I could, and then in Dragon Age Inquisition, I was just like, I want to go back out and start looting and killing stuff. I want to go fight a dragon. I just would skip through all the dialogue. And so... I didn't go into Anthem with that like Bioware story fandom in my brain. So I was like, this is fine. It's getting the job done. So the, the, the way that people approach a game based on the developer is certainly visible. It's like you can, you can see exactly how people approach these games based on who developed them. Destiny wasn't launched as a live service. It was a solid game built on tentpole expansions. They went live service. That's the formula. Right. That is something that we have to consider. The minute they really started to push back against the idea of having gaming droughts and they went to the seasonal format, that was really when they tried, when they when they sort of bridged the gap on live service. That's a great point that I need to include in my talk tomorrow. That it initially was not launched as a game that you would play for months at a time and not put down and yet strangely enough people did anyway right now there was a lot going on in the gaming world then that aided with that there were not a ton of titles to play and given there were not a lot of titles to play I think sometimes games were more successful because of the fact that there was literally nothing else to play at the time that, that, I think that's a huge factor that's a huge factor. Because a lot of the times, you know, you're you're gonna need this idea uh, where if if you launch in the midst of a saturated market, then you need to be super super unique. And I think that's one of the challenges to ba- BR games, battle royale games. It's super saturated. At the time that Destiny launched, there was like nothing else worth playing at the time. There was nothing out. I remember I went through this with people that played uh, my buddies that played Titanfall. Okay, my buddies that played Titanfall. They played Titanfall day in, day out, day in, day out, and I wasn't able to play. I was unable to play. I was 
I was working at the time or something and my schedule flipped and then all of a sudden I had these full days off where I could just play a ton of Titanfall and they were like dude we're so burned out on Titanfall because <laughs> there was literally nothing else to play at the time there was nothing else out and Destiny was in a similar uh, gaming world drought there was nothing else out of the time so it was like what else am I going to play I'm just going to you know, run around Ember Caves and so Anthem launched at a time where there were lots of other games that you could play and so and people looked at it and were like you know February of 2019 you're right you're right coming off of the you know the the holiday season there's tons of games out maybe you didn't buy any maybe you held off maybe there's a couple on your wish list so it was easy to be like ah this game's not good enough you're you're coming right off the holiday season very very saturated market of games usually in the wake of the holidays and so it made it a lot harder for people to say well I'll just keep grinding we'll just kind of wait for them to fix it later you know and and this is where I think Outriders has the potential to to win the the contest here if there's a contest the contest being how do you get the content to be tuned and catered to a player base that doesn't exist yet how do you do that if you're having a contest picture like it's 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 a game show they're like up here now on the next game show we're trying to create content for communities that don't exist yet up first we have anthem and they fail they totally failed. It's like the gaming community goes in there, a, a community of people rally around it, start to develop patterns, you know, uh, affinities and, and preferences within the game, and then the game is just not able to meet those requirements and those player patterns and those desires. Just falls flat in its face. Division 1, same thing. Destiny 1, same thing. Division 2, Destiny 2, falls flat in their face. Outriders is like, ah, we have a solution. How about instead of creating content for a community that doesn't exist yet, create a game that's a complete package. A community grows in and around that game. We can analyze that community's behavior and cater all future content to that behavior. And they're like, ding, 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 ding. We have a winner. That's right. Tell them what I've won. It's like, well, they've won a, a project that is completely lower on the risks, you know, factor because... If the game is a commercial success, but it doesn't capture a large enough audience for later expansion, no worries. You've not spent any development time on expanding the game yet. You launch a complete product, and that was kind of the end of it. And then they can walk away. They can go like this, take their profit, and dump it into other projects. So this this is why I wanted to talk about this tomorrow. The idea that the game, the community doesn't exist yet around the game that you're creating. So when you know division wasn't out yet there was no division community yet there was no division player pool and player habits and reddit posts and youtube videos none of that was existed yet so you couldn't make content for that community you just have to kind of it's almost like you gotta kind of wait and see what happens and be like oh my goodness we can't believe people are griefing spawn points in the in the dark zone who would have thought that would happen? Anybody with a brain, but you get my point. If you look back at Destiny's dev history, that's almost exactly what Bungie did, even if they may not have done it on purpose. Like, stumbled into it? Right. This just sounds like we're going back to basics. Make a complete game, build a community, then make more content for said community. That's right. That's exactly right. The only way you pull this off is with an existing community because you know what what level of content is required, right? You know what level of content is required as opposed to um as opposed to trying to guess. You know, you got to have to guess. You're like, I don't know. We think we've got it all figured out. And then people find a checkpoint and run it backwards and open up chests all day. <laughs> Look at Outriders, right? We think we've got it figured out. And then people figure out that they can wipe and kill a boss literally all day long. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Anna Ray Senpai says, do you think EA or some other developer would 
make a game similar to Anthem, but not call it that. The concept's too good to let go, in my opinion. I love where your head's at, because I was there last night when I was writing up my rundown for today, and I thought, it's probably a shadow that's just a curse, just lingering over anybody who attempts to make a game like this. If you attempt to make a game like Anthem, that Anthem shadow is just lingering over the project. It's just looming over top, being like, it's going to feel like a knockoff. It's going to feel like, no, nobody wants to play a game like that. I also think it's really weird. I genuinely think people would romanticize how good Anthem is. The same people that abused the ever-loving crap out of Anthem, dogged it, didn't stream it, or streamed it and put it down, dogged it, trashed it, threw it over their shoulder, were the same people being like, I'm so sad the game got cancelled. Are you? <laughs> Are you? <laughs> right? The cognitive dissonance is is just, it's an identity marker of content creation these days. So you'd have people more than likely criticizing this new game, be like, yeah, it's just not as good as Anthem was. You know, Anthem just had something special about it. Did it? <laughs> Do you really think that, you know, that Thor face? Like, eh, like, come on. I would worry that two things could potentially happen. Number one, the shadow of Anthem would loom over top of any project that attempted to emulate the game. Okay? It would would just be a looming shadow. Also, there is that potential martyrdom romanticization? Is that a word? Romanticization. Romanticize. They would romanticize it as a martyr. It was such a great game, and it had a heart and charm. And this just isn't as good. You see what I mean? It, it, you, you need distance. I think you need distance here. I think you need to get significant distance between Anthem being canceled and any other game launching like it. Okay? Also consider this. They pulled off something that I actually think is a pretty tall order. I, I talked about this in my video. Third-person games struggle with immersion. It's one of the single greatest things they struggle with. The catalyst for immersion is more challenging because you're looking at the character instead of looking at the combat. When you see, right, you had it right the first time, romanticization. It just sounds weird, doesn't it? It sounds like a mouthful. Um, That gun, you see that gun in the screen... That's like an immediate catalyst immersion point for you. You zoom out and see the character and third-person games struggle with that immersion. People don't feel as connected to the combat. It's not VR, but it's like this hybrid in the middle where you feel like you're the one throwing that grenade and doing that melee and shooting and reloading that gun. Third-person zooms out and you're kind of like, eh. I'm watching my character. I I am not my character. And something that Anthem pulled off that I think was really, really difficult is they took a third-person mech suit-based game, okay, and they <laughs> and they made it work. It felt dope. I know some people didn't like it, but I'm telling you right now, one of the leading causes for people to be so upset about Anthem's failure is they played it for about 10 hours or they played the beta, and they're like, this game is really fun. There is not a game. There is not a game you can go play right now that does what Anthem does. It doesn't exist. It's not out there. I can't fly around like Iron Man, slam the ground, do combos, and pick between four different mech suits and have unique builds, unique playstyles, and unique experiences. There's no game out there like that at the moment. And at the time, there wasn't anything like that out there either. That it, that was the game that was like that. So I think that's a significant achievement. And because of that, whoever, if, if anybody takes this on, do you remember playing Anthem? At least I remember playing Anthem and saying, you know what this makes me really, really want? I want an Iron Man game. I want a game where I play as Iron Man, Tony Stark. I mean, Avengers is holy yikes, but you know, we got Spider-Man. We got a really great Spider-Man game that looks and feels like I'm Spider-Man. We got great Batman games that looks and feels like I'm Batman. Now I want an Iron Man game. 
Yeah, Biomutant looks really good, Tony. I'll admit that. Biomutant looks hot. But it certainly doesn't look mech suit driven, you know, a third person mech suit. Thanks, Mama. It's different. It's different. So. Bulldog says, do you think with the death of Anthem, EA will focus on some single player AAA games? I got no idea. I got no idea. There's all kind of rumors about, you know, Respawn and Star Wars and all kind of stuff floating around. I've not seen anything like hard confirmed. Like sometimes like these news outlets and YouTubers, it sounds like it's like, it's going to be, you know, hard confirmed, but it ends up just being a rumor. So I, I'm, I'm going to have to be more attuned to gaming news for this show now. Um, I'm not gonna be able to like phone it in and, uh, and just cover one game anymore. So I'll, you know, obviously there may be an answer to this that is, um, there may be an answer to this that is more substantive than the one that I'm giving you. Cause they, I don't know if they've said anything publicly or concretely about next steps. I do know they said everything's sort of being poured into dragon age. But again, I don't know if that means every single project, every single studio is working on Dragon Age. I don't know what the division of labor looks like or if they've even outlined that. There's also the Mass Effect stuff coming. So what if they made a looter shooter in the Titanfall universe? Yeah, you know, the the problem with a looter shooter in the Titanfall universe is you're... Oh, golly. There are so many challenges with that. Number one, I would want abilities and guns to be fantastic because Titanfall was, in the realm of first-person shooters, Titanfall is a work of art. It is. It's a work of art. It is an absolute feat that that game looks and runs the way that it did. The Titanfall 1 demo ran better than 90% of the AAA games cranked out that year. Even now, you could probably say that. That demo was rock solid. It was Everest. You could throw anything at it. It it, it had no problems. It was crisp. It was crisp. No problems. It was amazing. It blew my mind. I was like, this demo is phenomenal. Titanfall's demo was amazing. Now, Titanfall 2 had a rocky technical test and man, did Respawn answer. They came back and they answered and fixed so many of the problems unearthed by the community in the technical test. That game launched, Titanfall 2 launched, and it was far and away different than what it was in the technical test. And the Titanfall 2 campaign is one of the best first-person shooter campaigns you can play to date. To date, it's one of the best you can play. It's amazing. The the storyline, the the variety, the combat, it's awesome. It's awesome. It doesn't have the greatest crescendo. It doesn't have the greatest ending. Okay? It's a little short, but it is it is it is pristinely designed. So, that you would that would be I think one of the biggest challenges. A lot of people criticize Titanfall 1 and 2 about uh, gun variety. Not enough guns. You understand that's one of the reasons it runs so well, right? It's one of the reasons the combat and the PvP was so well balanced, right? Because there's not 75 weapons. There's 8, you know, or however many there were. You know, 8 to 10 weapons. I thought the boss fight at the end of Titanfall 2 was incredibly anticlimactic, but that's a, that's a story for another day. Everybody criticized Titanfall on loot quantity but that's one of the reasons it ran so smooth so the danger would be are they going to lose that crispy solid reliable rock solid feeling are they going to lose that if they give me a thousand different weapons and different abilities and all these different things like is that the risk they're going to run like quantity can tend to create uh, instability uh, the other thing that they would have to do so that's, that that all falls under like one umbrella of these are potential problems with Titanfall one uh, w- with Titanfall going into a looter shooter that's problem number one and that's a big freaking problem because you wouldn't want it to not feel like Titanfall. Apex Legends is a great example. Same engine, same company, and they're working within the realm of this is the class, these are the guns. How many guns are in Apex? You see what I'm saying? How many guns? It's a contained limited uh, sandbox okay and it runs well it's become very popular I saw crafty getting back into apex you know good for Jesse so if so that's a giant problem problem number two if you try and do a Titanfall looter shooter what are you gonna do with the Titans the Titans are awesome but the Titans are very far removed from your character it's like here's my character here's the Titan you see 
Anthem landed somewhere in the middle. Your character climbed into the mech suit, but the mech suit was an extension of you. It wasn't like, here I am and here's the Titan. So I think that would be... Those two challenges alone would be really, really hard for Titanfall to transcend into some kind of a loot-based game. When do you think we'll get a Titanfall 3? Probably never. Sadly, I'm serious. Sadly enough, you'll probably never see a Titanfall 3. It's not in the books. They've devoted all their resources to Apex. They have devoted all their resources uh, to Apex. So... I, you're not going to see a Titanfall 3, which is really, really sad because it's a great engine and it's a great game. It's a great world. It really is. So it'd be cool if they could hand it off. It'd be cool if they could hand it off to another developer, but then you'd probably lose that uh, that respawn charm. The respawn charm. Respawn makes good games. They do. I would I would trust them with almost any franchise. I don't say that a lot about a lot of developers, but I would trust respawn with almost any franchise. They're very good at what they do. And Apex is probably just printing money for him right now. Um, Because it's doing very well. And uh, it's unfortunate. (laughs) It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate for people that wanted a Titanfall 3. It's not unfortunate for Respawn or for fans of Apex. (laughs) If you know what I'm saying. Darksider with the next question. One result of Anthem's failure was EA refocused the next Dragon Age from a live service back to a single player RPG. Ooh, great point for tomorrow. Thank you for bringing that up. Do you think that to a certain degree, do you think that to a certain degree, BioWare wanted Anthem to fail to ensure their other IPs, Dragon Age, Mass Effect, wouldn't be forced to be live service games? Okay, I... Here's the thing. I think these are disconnected, but I think they're also connected in a different way than you're outlining. I don't think they were like, well, we don't want these other games to be live service and people are going to be expecting that if we're still supporting Anthem. Why? Well, they're very different games. So I don't think people are going to come to, to, to Dragon Age and be like, this better be freaking live service because Anthem is. I don't, I don't think that's necessarily true. Same thing with Mass Effect. Here's how I think they are connected they didn't want to keep backing a losing horse that was going to require a disproportionate amount of dev hours. So let's just say they get Anthem off of the ground, okay? It still is going to have to go through what would look like rehabilitation, right? Okay, the game can't walk. Let's let's use an analogy here. The game can't walk. They get it walking again. Okay. Anybody that knows anything about physical re- rehabilitation of somebody who can now walk that couldn't previously walk knows it's a long journey to like a fully functioning, able to run, sprint, jump, bounce, whatever. They have a long journey ahead of them. So sure, it'd be this great celebration. Holy crap, this person can walk. It'd be like a miracle and everybody would be very excited and glad. But then they would know you got a long road ahead of you, man. It's going to be tough. It's going to be painful. That's what that's what Anthem would have looked like. Oh my gosh, they got this game back on its feet. Then they would have had to have nurtured it and stuck with it and kept it going to get it fully up and running. And they probably looked at it and were like, no, no, that's not what we want to do. That's not what we want to do. This is such a time sink. This is such a resource sink. We would rather take these games, not make them live service, and focus on what we've done best in the past, which is deliver expansive, narrative-driven RPGs that are big and awesome and not live service-based. So to me... That's how I think they're connected. I don't think they were like, well, if we don't do this now, people are going to expect these other games to be live service. I don't necessarily think that was their line of thinking. I do think they're related just in a different way. Again, we're totally theorizing and shooting in the dark here. It literally could have just come down to money. They were like, this is a total waste of money. We're never going to get this money back. It's, it's, a, it's an absolute fool's errand at this point. Let's back winning horses. We know that the next Dragon Age and the next Mass Effect can be incredibly successful and commercially just monumental. They know that, right? The, the brand recognition will sell games. Look at Call of Duty, you know? It's, it's, it's certainly, uh, I think, a part of the equation. 
Dark Seraphim, what would be a realistic update to the end game using the skeleton crew that'll keep the servers going? Overall, the game is fun. It would be nice to at least have some stuff to grind with friends. I gotta be honest with you. I just, I don't even think that's worth doing. I don't even think it's worth doing. You're just, you're just, it would be like, so one of our favorite pizza joints in town shut down. We were super bummed because it was 100% egg free. And my, my daughter has a severe egg allergy. So Mellow Mushroom was one of the few places we could eat with confidence. Like there and Chipotle. That's it. Okay. And it shut down. All right. Now, if they would have shut down and then come back and be like, hey, we're, we're going to open for takeout. I'd be like, oh, yes. They're open for takeout. But we're, we're just going to do salads. I'd be like, why'd you even do that? Why did you even get my hopes up? That's what this would feel like to me why even get people's hopes up why even do it right why wet their appetite with with morsels that wouldn't be a meal you know i i don't know i don't think it's worth it yeah you know, keep it alive for a while a year or whatever they decide and then you just got to pull the plug it's super sad because you know the skeleton crew is not even you got to understand too the people that are going to keep like keep the game chugging along they're not your innovators they're not your developers they're not your world builders right they're probably like a lot of engineers and stuff like server engineers and stuff they're 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 not your your high level you know project team leads and dev teams that could build stuff so i don't i don't imagine i don't imagine that they could they could do much with it personally just that's just generally how games work right like that crew is not in a position to do what you what you would would hope for or want so you would end up getting you you would end up getting i i think unfortunately a lot uh, a diminished a diminished result anyway it wouldn't it would be like why would you guys even bother doing this you're just kind of pouring salt in the wound uh, Ganks with the next question. I played Anthem up until two months ago. The loot felt amazing. Gameplay loop was almost perfect. The game was going in the right direction. Just needed that 2.0 update. Do you think EA should just sell the IP? In my opinion, Anthem could be a gold mine. Let someone else finish it. Unfortunately, yeah, we already kind of answered this question. I, the, the, the problem here, I think, the problem here would be that there is a shadow looming over the game. It just seems cursed at this point, you know? he seems cursed and so at the at the end of the day it's not even about like oh let's sell the property off you would need somebody willing to buy it and take that and hope that like it's not just sort of like eternally cursed because okay you got to understand from the public perception of anthem bad launch rocky updates unsuccessful addition of new content it doesn't really reinvigorate no vision cast for where the game is going and then they pull the plug on Anthem 2.0 or whatever they were calling it Anthem Next so the public's perception is that game isn't just dead on arrival it's a corpse that was getting drug along for two years it is dead and stinky so some other company picks it up that's the public's perception. That thing is dead. I I am not buying or playing anything that has to do with that game. Do you see the problem? Loop was perfect. The game wasn't updated in two years. Um, I don't think that's true. They were doing all kind of updates. They actually made some good updates to the loot cycles, Wheezy. I had people that were still playing it. I think they were updating it. They did something a couple months ago, didn't they? I thought it was like four or five months ago they pushed out an update to stuff. They were doing cataclysms and events and stuff. Joseph Young with the next question. Is there a specific reason you can find that can be attributed to its downfall? The Destiny killer has beaten, uh, was beaten by Destiny, but I can't put my finger on something specific. Maybe you can. There were, uh, there were layers of problems here. So, at a ground level, this affects everyone. This is not subjective to the user, okay? So, this is a broad problem that affects virtually anybody who played on a console or an older computer. And when I say older, I mean, like, anybody who has a gaming rig without an SSD. Load times, freezes, and glitches and bugs affected everybody. I don't care who you are. That's not subjective, that's an automatic negative impact on your experience. So that's ground level. Just buckshot that in everybody's face. Terrible load times, terrible bugs and glitches and freezes. You couldn't even play the game 
you know that hurt everybody you can't be like well that's subjective no it hurt virtually everybody who tried to play on console now go up into the specific problems you have a whole swath of people that were looking for bioware level story they didn't get that boom criticism knocks the game down in their mind go up from that you're you got people expecting diablo or destiny like thought level uh loot systems it's not there the longevity is not there it just hasn't been built it's not been built for that wham hit again so layer upon layer upon layer upon layer upon layer right gets worse and worse and worse and worse and you get to the point where it's like why would anybody put up with this so sure they fixed a lot of the load times load time problems they fixed a lot of bugs and glitches they were actually pretty fast about that in the first couple of weeks they did a pretty good job with that nothing was actually updated after the cataclysm the cataclysm was 2019 fall I swore I saw them pushing out updates. I must be dreaming. It's been so long. Last year was a was a was a weird year for me. So maybe I just assumed that I was seeing updates or something. I don't know. So you can't put your finger on it because you got to put your whole hand on it. Giggity! You can't. You can't be like, this is the real reason that Anthem failed. No, you got to tick off the reasons, and it's your whole hand. It's like these are all the reasons that Anthem failed fundamentally zoom out big picture if they would have fixed the bugs and glitches the biggest most the single greatest reason that anthem failed lack of vision a lack of vision they had no idea what they wanted to do with the game from the beginning from pre-production to when they were trying to save the game there was a total lack of vision that's the most concise thing you can say that led to all of the problems i just enumerated bugs and glitches and load screens and stuff you can fix that stuff later sure those are those are just you know those are technical problems lack of vision that's why marcos with a question ea has released a blog post stating their new focus on single player games do you think this new philosophy played a part in their decision to kill anthem yeah because single player games are more predictable with respect to return of investment Okay, so publishers want ROI. That's all they're interested in. A publisher doesn't give a flying hoot if you had a an existential experience in a video game. They don't care about that. <laughs> they want ROI. Here's a bunch of money. We would like more money back. <laughs> Here's a million dollars. We would hope that the return on this investment is greater than that million dollars. That is essentially the relationship between the publisher and the developer. Here's a bunch of cash. We would like more back than we gave you. That's more predictable and more sure, and it's it's less risky. Publishers and investors are risk-averse. Usually, by nature, they're risk-averse. They're not going to do something that's risky. You're talking about millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. This isn't you buying a scratch off because you're feeling naughty on a Friday night. This is millions of dollars and they've got board members and shareholders that they answer to. So they're looking at single player games and saying more predictable. Marketing cycles are easier to handle. Player expectations are easier to set. Patching, updating, and fixing problems are more contained. Let's just do this instead. This is what we know. We know this. This works. We know this. We know how to do this. Look at look at the live service disaster. I mean, it's been it's been hard for any game to get off the ground doing the live service extended gameplay thing. It's just it's just tough. It's hard out here for a live service game. For a live service looter shooter like RPG style game. It's also hard out here for a live service BR. I mean, try it. Look how many games have tried and have failed. Do you remember all the battle royales that that are that are no longer in existence? Do you remember them all? Or not even the battle royales? You had arena, you had an arena shooter called Lawbreakers. I played the tutorial and I was and I canceled my trip to LA. I was like, I am not going to LA. I'm not going to take time away from streaming and away from my family to to play a game that's dead on arrival. I literally played that game with you guys on stream. I got 10 minutes into, into the tutorial. I got out my phone and I backed out of the LA trip. I was like, not coming out there. And all those content creators got their cool swag and their hoodies. They talked about how great the game was. It was a literal pile of outdated garbage. 
I, I played the I played the tutorial for like five minutes. It might not even be ten minutes. It was five minutes, and I canceled my trip to LA. Remember Radical Heights? Yeah, Radical Heights. What was the um, what was the one that was in? It looked like Fortnite. Um, it looked like Fortnite, but it was in the myth, like the fantasy land. You had like you turned into a chicken if you died, and. Uh, and the, uh, the, the, they had like the, ah, oh, shoot. Realm Royale. Yeah, where's Realm Royale? What happened to that game? You know? What was the game? There was a game that was going to be like PUBG, but with like 900 players on a server. Where the frick is that game? Where is it? Where, where, where is it? The future of the live service game is incredibly precarious because if you try and do a battle royale, you got some stout players to contend with. Fortnite, huge. Apex, huge. PUBG still pulls a lot of players. Call of Duty Warzone pulls a lot of players. Have, have fun stepping on that landscape. The arena shooter is virtually dead in the water. Nobody wants to play arena shooters anymore. Who wants to do that? Now, Valorant was essentially built to be a modern character-driven call, you know, Counter-Strike competitive game. So that's not really a live service game. Then look at live service games that are RPG and loot based. It ain't looking very good. It ain't looking very good. You got like one that's 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 figuring it out. Yeah, remember Crucible? Oh my gosh. I felt so bad for that game, dude. I felt so bad for that game. You could tell people thought they were they were really do they were really making something special, and then you played it and you were like, "Yeah, this is like so dated feeling. Like it just didn't work. It didn't work." Yeah, I remember Paladins. Paladins. Yep. Yeah, Lawbreakers would have been amazing as like a Quake Three sequel. <laughs> You know, Quake Three's kind of, kind of, kind of on its way down, and then Lawbreakers would have landed. It would have been amazing, or like Unreal Tournament sequel. People would have eaten it up. It landed at the wrong time. It just, like I said, it it just felt like dated garbage. It was like, dude, nobody wants to play this now. You know what I mean? Nobody wants to play this now. Um. Brandon says, could you see Anthem Return as free to play in the future filled with microtransactions? I got no idea. I I think this is really unlikely. I I think they're just eventually going to downscale it. They're going to stop making stuff for it and just, you know, put it out to pasture. Gilly, with our last question, do you think that if Anthem had even a small and slow endgame content loop like Vanilla D1 had with Vogue, it would have lived long enough for the 2.0 update? We touched on this earlier. It's a really good question, Gilly. But we, and we touched on this earlier when we talked about Destiny's um, the timing of Destiny landing during a gaming drought, a significant gaming drought. Okay, there was nothing to play at the time. I experienced this with Titanfall. I recounted that story to you guys. My buddies had been playing Titanfall like it was their dadgum job because there was literally nothing else to play. There was nothing else to play, okay? And so, I uh, I, I think that that really helped Destiny 1. You know? I, I just, I don't think I don't think Anthem landed at a time where you could have like a weak, thin, super stingy endgame. Like, look at how people responded. They're like, nothing's dropping. The stuff that drops doesn't even make any sense because the inscriptions are all over the dadgum place. I'm done. People just walked away. I remember having arguments with people about the drop rate of legendaries. They're like, but they're legendaries. But they're legendaries. Even the people that continued to play Anthem didn't even understand the game. They didn't get it. They were like, but they're legendaries. I'm like, oh my gosh. I was like, you don't understand. I was like, there's only X number of legendaries per javelin, and there's only X number of legendary weapons. The real value, the real thing you're chasing is a god roll, a very good inscription, and you're never, ever gonna see one. Even the people that played didn't get it. It hurt. It legitimately caused me like mental pain. To debate that with people. 
they saw the color of the item and that's all that mattered to them so they didn't even understand like how how they were trying to build that end game even the people that were still going on and playing were just they didn't understand they just didn't i was like listen i said right now they could make it rain you could open up every chest in one of these harder pieces of content you could open up every chest and get showered with legendaries and you would still you would still take a lifetime to get what you need because the amount of inscriptions that were in there was obscene it was absurd it was like getting a god roll in that game is going to take you a lifetime even if they're literally just showering you with legendaries if i'm picking through five or six legendaries a chest i'm still not going to get what i want for a really really long time nobody understood nobody nobody got it and so it's just at that level when a game doesn't even have an understanding of where they want to take the end game and the user base doesn't understand people just walked away so Gilly's question of like oh could it could they have had this long drawn out experience like we had with Vogue no because that's exactly how it worked the drop rates were so terrible and so bad nobody was saying oh I'm coming back for more of this I can't wait to play more and see almost nothing this is awesome truth be told people are rejecting that notion in destiny now nobody wants to do that who wants to have weekly lockouts who wants to have low drop rates look at the number one complaint about season of the chosen it all centers around generosity it all centers around generosity I can't get the playlist stuff to drop. You have weekly lockouts on the dungeons. You've got this. You've got this time gated. You got this, 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 and this. No, nobody's enjoying that in Destiny. Why? Because we don't live at the time that Destiny 1 launched anymore. We're like, well, what else am I going to friggin' play? I'll just keep playing Destiny. I'll just keep playing Vogue. There was nothing else to do. Now that you have other games to take up your time, they're going to weekly lock you out. They're going to have a garbage drop rate. What are you going to do? You're going to put the controller down. I'm not touching this. I got better things to do with my time than play some weird withholding, you know, unrewarding experience. Like, that's not what people want. People want to walk away. I told this story this morning about my daughter playing Fortnite. She loves to just run around in the creative mode, okay? She loves to she loves to run around the creative mode and just look for stuff. And she got really upset at the end of a play session because she didn't achieve anything. And I was like, and I told her, I said, "Listen, girl, I was like, it, you you need purpose to have a sense of satisfaction in in a lot of the game in a lot of the games that you play. Like, if there's no purpose to it, you walk away being like, well, what did I just do with my time? I said, and that's what you're feeling right now. You're feeling that sense of purposelessness. You didn't do anything. You, you didn't achieve anything." And when you play a game that's super stingy or you're, you're walking away from a two-hour play session, you're like, yeah, I got nothing. I got nothing for my time. In this day and age, we're, we're, we are in just bombarded with ways to entertain ourselves. Netflix, Hulu, Disney+, Plus, other video games, your, your phone, okay, streams, YouTube, whatever. Are you really going to go back for what starts to feel like almost like it's like a it's like you're getting it's like you're getting you're getting your time wasted. It feels like it's it's like an abusive relationship. I'm not making light of abusive relationships. That's what it feels like. It's like you just keep going back because you're like, well, it's familiar and I love it. It's like what the frick? Eventually, people drift. They're like, no, I don't want to do this anymore. So you already see Destiny's already changing its philosophy about loot generosity. Why? Well, because there's other things to occupy your time with. There's other things to do. So, they had to adjust the generosity. You're not in Vault of Glass Destiny anymore. So, if 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 Anthem's goal was to, like, let's be really withholding, so people just keep coming back, whew, wow, way off the mark. Woof, just swing and a miss. Swing and a miss. When I look at Outriders, and I look at how they've structured their post-campaign content to reward you the better you play, and at the end, you're just seeing all this stuff on the ground, I'm like, that's what people want to see 
If I get better, if I beef up, if I play more efficiently, I get more rewards, and then it gets harder, and then I get more stuff, and then it's better, and the quality's better, and the generosity goes up. That's what people want to see. They want to walk away from a two-hour play session where they beat their head against a wall of really hard content, and they walk away with an armful of stuff. That keeps people coming back. If you don't respect the player's time, you cannot expect the player's time. And Anthem didn't respect the player's time. I could put in two hours, walk away, and be like, I I literally am no different today in the game than I was yesterday. I have nothing new. I have no new abilities, no new guns, nothing better in my loadout. I am statically stuck because you don't, the drop rates are terrible. I don't care how addicting your game is. Somebody cannot walk away from a play session and come to that conclusion. Because if they do, it, it only takes a couple of times before they say, yeah, I'm done with this game, dude. No. What, why am I playing it? Well, I don't understand. It's a hamster wheel with no treat at the end. What's the point? Pavlov's dog. You know what I'm saying? Like, st- like <laughs> positive reinforcement. How do you get the dog to salivate, right? Because it, it started to trigger in his mind, like, oh, I'm going to get a treat, I'm going to get a treat, I'm going to get a treat. And when that stops happening, people are going to r- turn on the game. And that's ultimately why Anthem never really got anywhere, because they didn't even understand, like, how generous they had to be with their own loot system. It's like, you don't even understand your own loot system. What is, what is all this? You don't even understand your own loot system. I think a lot of stuff was slapped together at the end, too. A lot of the inscriptions on the weapons and stuff. So, hey, if you're in the live audience, don't go anywhere. If you're enjoying this content elsewhere, I hope you are enjoying the variety and all the different topics we're going to be covering now on my platforms and my channels. As always, it's super helpful for me for you to hit the like button, the share button and the subscribe button. Most of all, make sure that you don't miss out live streams or content that hits the upload feeds. As always, if you're listening to this elsewhere, you can catch me live at SNTRlive.com. If you're in the live audience, don't go anywhere. We got more things to do and talk about. I got something cool for you. So stay in the audience. Stay, stay put there. If you're on your way out, smash like and subscribe on your way out to everybody else if you're listening elsewhere please like share and subscribe